I must say it's good to be back. You really don't know what you have until you're not with it. Oh, bless the children. Amen? Amen? Bless the children. We love to hear the little sheep. Ah. Hallelujah. Pastor David felt the Lord in <clears throat> encouraging him to speak on one another's. Um, <clears throat> just a verse that comes to my mind when Jesus said that he would send another comforter. <clears throat> the word another there is not one of a different kind, but one of the same kind. So we, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so we all have the comforter all of the same kind. Your comforter is not different than mine. Your inspiration isn't different than mine. Your joy isn't different than anybody else's. We all have the same comforter. Meaning that he's not different than Jesus. Meaning that he is the same. And so he came because Jesus was leaving and so he said, I'll send, we will send the Holy Spirit to stand by you and be with you. And uh, I just felt like, you know, sometimes we don't grasp the gravity of scriptures because we miss out on the power that helps it come to pass. Does that make any sense to you? In other words, what the Father has covenanted and committed himself to, he has given us divine ability to fulfill. So when he talks about loving one another, be patient with one another, all the one another's that are in the Scripture, there's a lot of them. He has given us a divine ability to love one another. Do you know how that works? The Holy Spirit is love. So the whole interaction with each other is actually in the Holy Spirit. And if we yield to the Holy Spirit, meaning that we're birthed by the Spirit, we're born of the Spirit, we're sanctified by the Spirit, we're coming to the new life by the Spirit, everything is by the Spirit. Well, so is our interpersonal relationships in the Spirit. And sometimes I think we get down or to the place where we allow our minds to naturalize the Scriptures to the point where it's my ability, when actually it really isn't. It's His divine ability that enables us to be who we should be and enables us to relate to each other how we should relate. So, for instance... Um, if we look at the life of Jesus and how he related to society, he's the model. The Holy Spirit comes and he takes the life of Christ and endeavors it to model it through our lives. So the one another's is not something new to God. The one another's is actually the plan of God. And when you think of one another, we have certain thoughts. Well, the question is, is I, am I thinking what God thinks about my brother and sister? Am I seeing them the way he sees them? The difference of all that that makes is this. The Holy Spirit sees each one of us through the cross. He sees each one of us 
through the description that the Father has painted about his house. The question is, is that how we see? So, the scriptures are not just, um, well, you know, if you think it's a good idea to love each other. That's not what scripture says. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. That is not legalism. It's a command from the one who died to cause our relationships with him to be real and to cause our relationship with each other to be real. So, did he really care about what a Pharisee believed? Yeah. Did he care about the heathens, what they believed? Yeah. He cared about them, not necessarily their belief system, but he cared about them regardless of what they believed. I'll just let you think about that for a moment. Do we care for each other according to what God says about you? So in other words, we all differ in certain things. And so did they back then. But even the person who didn't believe anything, Jesus died for them. So just think of this. The redemptive cost for your life and my life had nothing to do with our plan. It had everything to do what he sees, what he actually has in his vision to come to pass. He sees his body not separated and divided. He sees his body as one. He cannot see anything else than that because him, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And therefore, their approach to you and I is consistently consistent with what he has said and what he had planned. And I, I want to say this because I think sometimes we have teachings, but we don't relate it to anything. Related, we relate it to our humanity, but we don't realize that it's divinity's plan. It's not our plan, folks. So, for instance, when Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And, and in, the, in, the, in the strength of the Greek, it says that the Holy Spirit imposed himself on him and took over his life. Which meant that the, the, the Holy Spirit's coming upon us is to take control of our life. He's to take control of our life. So everything we relate about the Holy Spirit is this. He takes control of my life, and therefore, I obey him. That's not my plan, and it's not your plan. It's the Heavenly Father's plan. When we fall into line with his plan, relationships usually work out. And I think of the many, many relationships that are broken, broken relationship, broken lives. God doesn't come with a Band-Aid. He comes with a new complete plan that causes your life to be successful, meaningful, loving, kind, and relatable. So anything to do with the Holy Spirit requires obedience. Do you ever try to lead somebody that doesn't obey? It doesn't work too good. And I, when I was in the plumbing heating business, uh, I had my own apprentices, and they, they served their apprenticeship under, under my tutelage. 
And uh, <clears throat> they have to obey me. I paid their wage. And so they ended up to be very good plumbers. No, no kidding, because, uh, because they followed my instruction and my standard, it meant they became what I saw. So I didn't want a bad reputation, so they had to conform to my standard or walk. And anybody who hired them after I sold out, they said, man, these guys are really good plumbers. They do a good job. And I'm thinking, yeah, because they obeyed and they learned something that they didn't know before in the proper manner. And when some, some of the plumbing I see nowadays, I'm thinking, oh, what was that? Shove a pipe here and shove a pipe there and there's nothing uniform and it's not. And I go, oh, Lord. Anyway, I use that illustration to say this. If we want our lives to be constructive and grow up according to his plan, the Holy Spirit has come to lead us into truth and its fulfillment. So the one another's is not, oh, well, I don't care. No, the one another's, oh, well, that's for somebody else. No, no. It's for all of us. And I think God wants to start bringing some of this stuff into existence in the body of Christ, whereby we actually care for one another in a real meaningful way and not in a superficial religious way. Okay, that's nothing to my notes. God is invested in his church. Do you ever make an investment in something? When you make an investment in something, it means you're invested in it. You're part of it. That means he is invested in you personally. God's investment has been in every detail explained in the covenant that he himself is committed to. I'll read that again. God's investment has been in every detail explained in the covenant that he himself is committed to. In other words, he is committed to love us. He's committed to encourage us. He's committed to correct us. He's he is committed. He's invested in our lives. And his investment means that he has demonst he demonstrates for us what we should be like. Through the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son participate in each of our lives every day. Just think of that. The redemptive work works in your life every day by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father's will works in our lives every day. So the conclusion in my mind is this. He works every day. He'll work every day in our relationships with each other if we yield to his truth and his power. Am I making any sense? By the Holy Spirit, God is participating every day in each of our lives. He participates every day in my relationship with my wife. He participates every day in my relationship with people. 
He's the participant. He is participating with us. He is invested in us. By the Holy Spirit, God is devoted to you, His people. He's devoted to you. He's devoted to your success. He's devoted to your relationships. He's devoted to your marriage. He's devoted to you wherever you are and whatever you're experiencing. He is devoted to you. He will never give up. The Holy, by the Holy Spirit, God is advancing you. See, Paul said this in Philippians chapter, I forget what chapter it is. Anyway, it's verse 10. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. And here's a result of that. That I may be conformed in the likeness of his death so that I can live out from among the dead. And this is probably 40 years of ministry. Paul is still desiring to know him. And how many times have we heard preachers say, well, you have everything. You have the Holy Spirit. You have everything. Well, so did Paul. But he didn't. There was a lot of things he didn't know. We have received, we're born of the Spirit, we have received the anointing of the Spirit, but I think one of the things that causes it not to work is our disobedience. We have not learned how to follow the Holy Spirit. We have not learned how to walk in His strength and power. You, you cannot just ignore the Holy Spirit and ignore the Word and think that the power of God is working. So interpersonal relationships to me, I mean, I appreciate it when Brother Harry gives me a call and he says to me, uh, how's your cup? That means we're going for coffee. I love that. Spontaneity. Relationships aren't based on performance. They're based on spending time together. They're not even based on what we believe because a lot of us differ. So God doesn't say, well, you know, if you all agree the same thing, then you can love one another. Hmm. If that's the case, then he would have never loved anybody because nobody believed what he believed. So to me, the one and others are very important. And, that's, and so upon what basis do we face each other and love each other and relate with each other on the basis that he said to do so? Yeah, he said so. He said, repent and be saved. We do it, and it works. And every other part of the word works the same. So by the Holy Spirit, God is advancing you, his people, into the realization of the reality, of the practicality, of divinity in humanity. I have to say it that way because I don't want us to dehumanize divinity. We dehumanize everything where it comes, becomes our performance because somebody said so. No, I want to do it because God said so. And unless we see it that way, sometimes we just follow somebody else's life when God is saying, well, no, I would really like you to follow me. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have followers or or be models. That's what I'm saying. But we, we so dehumanize things. I shouldn't say that. We dehumanize divinity. We bring them down to our level and our understanding and our decisions and what we like and don't like. 
That is not good. We can't live a successful Christian life by bringing everything equal to my understanding. So what about the people I disagree with? Who's wrong? I don't think that's even important anymore. What I think God is saying is, can you love one another? Because this, the whole world will know that you're my disciples. Not because of what you believe, but because of your relationships. By the Holy Spirit, God financed his church. Let me explain that to you. The Holy Spirit comes to Mary and tells Mary she's going to have a son. And tells Mary what his name's going to be. Tells Mary the whole plan. So by the Holy Spirit, God sent a messenger down to Mary to tell Mary the Father's plan. And to fulfill what had not been written yet, but existed in heaven. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have reverence. That's the act of redemption. God fronted salvation. He fronted the price for your life. He paid the whole deal. He never asked us if we liked it. He never asked us if it was a good plan because he didn't have to. He fronted the cost. I remember making investments in gold companies and we would not buy them off the stock ticker. We fronted the companies with money. So they were selling to invest, to front a company. They would say, well, we want seven cents a share. Say, okay, give me 100,000 shares or whatever. And I'd give them the money. And, and I became part of, we became part of fronting companies so that they could do what they needed to do. So we fronted the cost so the company could get to the market. And then when people were, when they were selling, we were selling. We weren't buying. So the father sent his son and he fronted the price of salvation. Can you imagine paying a price for a bunch of losers? Sinners? Criminals? Can you imagine that? That is totally out of our realm of even thinking. And I don't think it's very much of a step for God to say, love one another. (laughs) Amen? I mean, when you think of what he did... When you think of what he did, how difficult is it for us to love one another? Well, it's as difficult as we want to make it. Or it can be as easy as we want to make it. Amen? Romans chapter 12 is my passage. I guess maybe we did get at it. Before I go there, Ephesians says that God has an inheritance in the saints. He has an inheritance in you and I. You know what that means? He has made an investment. 
He has invested everything that he has in our lives. That's his inheritance. It's amazing. What an infallible plan with a fallible bunch of people. Can you imagine putting forth an infallible plan and saying, you know what, these infallible people can fulfill it? In other words, he saw each one of us to the value of the price he paid. So, I'm not better than you, and you're not better than I am. And we may differ on some things, but that doesn't make us lesser or more in God's eyes. It's not what we believe that's his value. It's the investment he made that gave us life. That's the value. Do we value that in each other? Can I look at you and see Jesus? Because that's what he sees. So why should I see something different? Well, because of my humanity. Hello? We see things different than he does because sometimes we lower divinity to humanity and look through the eyes of humanity rather than the eyes of divinity. And we dehumanize who we see from being different than how God sees them. All right. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God. I like the way he says that. He doesn't say by the law of God or by the judgment of God. He says, I beseech you by the mercies, mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's funny, he starts this chapter this way, but it has to do with what he said before, which we don't have time to go into. And be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't dehumanize who you are. Don't dehumanize the divinity in you of who you really are and be conformed to this world and behave like the world behaves. Don't do that, he says. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's amazing that he starts chapter 12 with these two verses, what to do and what not to do, who to be and what not to be. For I say through the grace given unto me, and I want, I want you to hear this, because Paul does not humanize divinity. What he does is this, for as, for I say, through the grace given to me, in other words, the favor and the blessing and the power and the ability of God given to him, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. For I say we have many members, but one body. And all members have not the same office, 
I don't like that word office in there because we don't sit in our offices. So we being many are one body in Christ. God sees us together here as one in Christ. There is no other unity in divinity than the oneness in Christ. We've all been born by him. He died for all of us. He shed his blood. His blood cleanses us. Everything's in Christ. So he's, he's getting somewhere here because he's trying to point out something about our relationship with each other. So being many are one body and every one members one of another. <clears throat> Can you imagine what it would be like if your right arm said, I'm not working today. And you have to do everything left-handed. Well, for left-handed people, that might be okay. My wife is waving at me. But can you imagine if my eye says, you know what? I'm not going to open no more. And you walk around like, Being members of one another actually means being connected. Well, how are we connected? Well, we're connected through Jesus. And the Holy Spirit makes the connection happen. So just think of this. The Holy Spirit, who He is, He's all the gifts, He's all the fruit, and he's all the power. So you and I have all the gifts, all the fruit, and all the power to relate to each other in a constructive manner. <laughs> it's true. Because he's getting to something here. Having then gifts differing. Now let me say this. This word gift here has nothing to do with humanity. The word gift there is to show favor, the gift of grace. Oh, who's the giver of grace? God, through Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying to us here our spiritual connection for every one of us is the same. We're all connected by the grace of God. We're all saved by the grace of God. We all walk in the grace of God. We walk in His favor. So when we look at one another, can we see the favor of God? The grace is a benefit that God bestows. He bestows on each one of us the benefits of heaven. Wow. So he says, he, he says this, having benefits, favor, differing according to the grace that is given to us. You don't earn it. You know, we, we don't earn, we don't earn our relationship with Jesus. He initiates it, we respond. And that's the way it should be among us. Relationships are initiated and we respond in kind. So, I just feel, I just really feel strong about this, and that is this. I've heard a lot of teaching on the body of Christ and the gifts and all this stuff. And da, 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 da. But what I don't see
is how much we care for each other. Greater love hath this than no man than to lay down his life for his brother. There is no greater love than to lay down our life. We're usually defending our life. You know, you never have to defend what's true. Truth will always stand on its own. You don't have to prove what's true. Just live it. Because the model becomes the truth that has an impact. If Jesus just came down and said the words without life and living them, they wouldn't have meant much. But because he said them and he modeled them, it has a great strength. So what he's saying in this passage here in Romans, that we've all been given graces whereby we function out of. And he ties it into, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. Have your mind renewed. How do we renew our mind? We walk in the grace that God gives us, and that changes our thinking. And then he goes to, well, prophecy. Let us prophesy according to proportion of faith, of ministry, which is the word diakonos, which is deacon, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teaches on teaching, and he that exhorteth on exhortation, so on. Uh, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. I mean, it, it's so descriptive in this chapter. Why is he saying this to the Romans? Why is he saying this to that church? Well, because we see what became of the Roman church. It became religious. It became works. It became all kinds of stuff. Be kindly. This is, this is, what, this is the one that really challenges me. I was sharing this with somebody the other day. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. There was a time in my life when I was misguided after I planted the church because I felt that somebody ought to come and help me do what I, God called me to do, and nobody wanted to come and help me. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about pastors. I'm talking about those who I related with. I couldn't get any help out of anybody, and I felt rejected. I felt like nobody cared. I felt like, you know what? They talk, but they don't do That went on for about 10 years until I learned this one thing. I was given a grace. I was given a call that God gave me and that only he understood what it would look like. I had to learn that. So sometimes our dependence on other people for our success is not really a good thing. We have to realize that God called us to walk in His Word and His truth by His power and His divine ability that actually causes us to succeed. So stop depending on somebody else for only what God can do. Why are we controlled by what we... Why are we controlled by things that somehow take control of our lives? I'll tell you why. Because we yield to it. I yielded to the fact that nobody cared and I got depressed 
I yielded to the fact that nobody saw what was in my heart and I got angry because I expected someone else to see it and understand it when that did not happen. And so I started blaming people that I'm not going anywhere. As though God didn't have the ability to take what He put in my heart and make it happen. So my relationship with one another was not very good. Because I saw everybody else as my help. But actually what God wanted me to see that I was everybody else's help. He wanted me to help others. He wanted me to be who he wanted me to be. And to tell you the truth, this affected my marriage. Just ask my wife. I was a very passive guy, and I became a very angry and aggressive guy. Now, I never hit her. I just threw manure in her face. I'll tell you the story. We had five acres, and I'm trying to get into the ministry. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. And we have some white-faced cows. And I said, we're going to sell the cows. And she says, no, we're, we're not selling my white-faced cow. And I said, fine. You do the chores. You milk them, you feed them, and you clean the barn. I'm not have nothing to do with it. That's the state I was in. And Needless to say, it was a very heated discussion. I walked out and I went to the barn and I grabbed a shovel and I was hucking that manure out the door and it was flying. She decided to come and milk the cows. And I go like this and here it goes, and she came right in the door. She ran over and poured the water on top of me. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just, that's, that's our reality. Then she says to me, don't you ever tell anybody about this. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I got the clean part of the deal. What I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes our failures come because of our dependence on those who we think is going to make us a success. When God would say to you and I, I am your success. I paid the price. I fronted your life. I fronted your freedom. I fronted your blessing. I fronted your success. I fronted everything that you need to succeed in life. So stop blaming other people. Because we can't, we can't love one another if we're on the blame game. Well, he hurt me. Well, welcome to the club. I don't think there's anybody in here that has not been hurt. Hurts either make you stronger and walk down the right road or it ends up being down the wrong road where there is nothing good that happens and I want to say this the one another starts in my marriage how I relate to my wife determines how I will relate to you it's true if I don't have a good relationship with my wife and she can't express who she is me shutting her down all the time that's exactly how I'm going to treat you I've seen it happen I've seen people in ministry come into this church and treat people like that, but their families are a mess. The one another is not working. So if you want your family to be loving one another, it's incumbent upon you that you love one another. Come on. You, you can't expect your kids to love one another if you don't love one another. Sometimes 
And this has been our experience, and maybe somebody's there, I don't know, but sometimes we live on issues. There's issues in our lives, and we live on issues, 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 issues. And I can't stand to hear my wife tell me what we're going to do. <laughs> my wife is very clever. I was away. Guess what she did? She pulled a carpet out of the back porch. Right? She's ready for the flooring when I get back. Every time I go away, she does this. So I'm ex next time I go away, I'm expecting something's going to be, it'll be up when I get back. We kind of we laugh about it. One time she asked me to build shelving for her. And I ignored it. I went away and she built the shelving. It was like Fort Knox. No kidding. I mean, you could put a car in there if you wanted to. It's like, <laughs> it's still standing too. What am I trying to say? I have to, I have learned, and my wife has learned, that when we disagree on something, it's okay. It's not a fight. It's just the way we think. And if I hurt her, I, I used to take a month to solve it. But the one another, I don't like seeing my wife offended. I don't like seeing her like that. So whether I'm right or wrong really is not the point. The point is I hurt her. Well, I am right. Well, it's too bad. You got an offense. Deal with that. But you have to consider one another who they are, what they're like, and what they think like, and stop trying to conform them to the way you are. If my left arm tried to be like my right arm, I'd have a problem. So as members one of another, we belong to each other. That's the membership at Solid Rock. We have official membership, so to speak, but we have the official membership. And that is, the Bible says, we belong to each other. We are members one of another. And I think God looks down on that and says, hey, look at yourselves. See yourselves as belonging to each other. That helps you care for each other. Amen? What I find... In understanding the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what I find. I have no excuse. I have no excuse at all to be who I'm not to be. I have every reason to be who God called me to be. And you have every reason to be who God called you to be. And you have every reason, you have every strength and power and ability to love one another. We have the divine power of Almighty God to live life in harmony and peace. To live life caring for each other to the point where, and I really appreciate it, Ariana, the other t uh, just a few weeks ago when she got up here to announce uh, James's condition and she cried she cried I talked to her after the service and I said do you know what happened to you 
I says, the Holy Spirit moved on you and gave you something for James and it struck you emotionally and God saw your emotion and he told you what to say. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. It's all body life. Amen? Like I, I just want to encourage all of us. The world is looking for a place where love is real, joy is real, humanity is real. We can be who we are. You don't have to somehow conform to some creed of some kind. No, just conform to Jesus. That's a pretty good deal. Amen? And so, as a husband, I try to conform to be like Jesus with my wife. And she does the same for me. Now, you know, after 50, I don't know, 50 some odd years, I don't remember, <laughs> you, you kind of learn some things. But let me tell you something, you younger people, let me tell you something. Don't take 50 years to learn something. Love one another. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Honor your husband. That's what the Word says. Well, I am... Well, that doesn't build anything. But I think God is looking forward to seeing us as a church demonstrate who He is. Amen. That, that's just the whole game, just demonstrating who He is. Not who we are, but who He is in us and through us. Amen. Father, we just thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your Word, Lord. There are so many scriptures that talk about one another. And it seemed as though the church needed to hear that many, many times. So, Father, we just thank you for sending your Son and fronting the cost of our redemption and sending your Holy Spirit to fulfill your covenant that you're committed to. Thank you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will breathe upon each one of us the realities of your kingdom that we would see one another as you see us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.